Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay uptight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling all right. He run away. America. Oh yeah. Here we are in Overnight America. It's always good to have this time together. And we have another hour live. After midnight, we have our replay hours. And oh, were those some good replay hours. So I think you'll enjoy it. But better yet, you can just get the podcast searching Overnight America wherever you get your podcast or you can even find it on the radio.com app. So if Donald is still there, I would like to pick up where we left off. Donald, did you uh, hang around? I'm still here and I actually turned my Uber app off so I could talk to you and not be interrupted. Oh, you're losing money because of this interview. I, that <laughs> I'm might have been a poor decision. I'm talking to you, Ryan. All right, so uh, this is what I wanted to ask you, because I'm, I'm very curious. When you open up sure. conversations with you're the people that are riding in your... <laughs> oh, come on. When you open up conversations with uh, people that uh, are inside of your car, do they always go political? Do they sometimes go political? What's the, the demographic like of the discussions? Well... Um, because of COVID, um, one of the things that, that gets my riders talking, I can't do right now, um, because I generally have them write down an answer to a question on a, on a pad of paper, which has led to me publishing a journal. Now I'm not going to say the name of the journal because I don't want to be sounding like a self promoter on your show, <laughs> but you asked the question, um, how, you know, does it go political all the time? Um, it, it tends to go there um, with some people. Um, it, it tends to go to problems that they're experiencing. It tends to go with, towards something good that happened. Uh, it goes all over the place. And what's kind of fun is I've learned how to make it go certain directions by what I say and how I ask questions and but um sounds like I'm a master manipulator, but I'm really not. I'm just trying to learn more about my rider. Yeah. Uh, Do you uh, ask them who they're voting for? No. 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 I can I can pretty much tell what their philosophy is after yeah. you know, a little bit. Uh and I and I honestly 
um, I try really hard to understand where where my riders are coming from because I figure, hey, like I said before the news um, rudely interrupted. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it you know it, it if you if you have one on one conversations, nobody's trying to impress anybody. You know, the, not impress the audience. So they're pretty genuine, and I try to be genuine as well. Um, I called in on your show a long, well, several months ago, and I told you about something I learned from my dad. And I don't know if you remember talking to me or not, but I said I didn't realize how smart my dad was until I didn't have the opportunity to tell him how hmm. smart I found out he was. Um, he taught me a few things that kind of can be political, but they don't have to be. Um, one was that he would always say, he would always start out with son. Um, he would say, son, you know, everybody in this world has an agenda or a bias or a prejudice, whether they realize it or not. And I was like, I didn't have a clue what the hell he was talking about mm-hmm. until, you know, maybe 10 years ago. I'm 62 and it took me, you know, 25 years to figure him out. Um, he also said one other thing that has stuck with me is that, son, I've never been hired by a poor person. And then um, he would ask me a question. Um, son, if you have a problem, who do you want to handle the problem, the solution to the problem? Somebody that lives close to it or somebody that lives far away from it? Hmm. You know, that's that's uh, you. You were playing devil's advocate when I talked to you about that because I said, you know, local government is extremely important, mm-hmm. and we need to, to know who's making this, the decisions locally. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that conversation? I kind of remember it now. I don't remember what I said though, but I do. Uh, that does kind of jog my memory yeah. some. But but the but the um, the conversations I have with my writers, I try really hard to listen. I. I try to let them. I try to get them to let me share my opinions in a respectful way. I try to be respectful to theirs. When you have an audience and you get people trying to, you know, play on emotions instead of facts, um, we get off track. And I think one of the things that is interesting about the court nomination, um, the 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 what are the proceedings is that you know these people that are asking questions are playing on the emotions of everybody but uh coney barrett mm-hmm. you know they're they're trying to make this you know more political now that they know that they're not going to have the votes mm-hmm. um and i say they it sounds like i'm separating myself from every you know everyone that's you know not wanting her to be nominated and go through but um the, the correlation that I'm seeing is when when people say drive by media, you know, or the main street media, whatever you want to call them. It, unfortunately, we've lost the art of journalism as being as unbiased as possible, even though it never has been, you know, um, free from bias. Mm-hmm. But we've it's gone impossible to in crazy. Yeah. No, it, we've we've gotten to the point you know, where we it, there's no reason to trust it at face value anymore. It's gone so far from it that we are so leery, we're so untrusting of it. Right. You got to have your guard up all the time. 
You know, your dad's a smart guy. It sounds like that was well, absolutely Well, he'd be 105 uh, November 4th, which wow. is close to the elections. Very close. Years. So yeah. one other thing, real quick, I don't want to talk too much. Again, I already have. Uh, he also said, son, I want you to trust people, but I don't want you to have blind trust. Hmm. Was he not brilliant? I tell you what. He's very good. Mar- Maurice Boughton, B-O-U-T-O-N. Maurice, known as Reese Bowden, uh, one hell of one hell of a guy. I get very nice. choked up talking about him. Oh, that's wonderful. Hey, I'm so glad you called in, Donald, and shared that story. That means a lot. Let's talk offline someday. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Have a great night and go make some money. I've already held you for the, the 10 or 15 minutes. You know, maybe that'll work to your advantage. Maybe a nice high-paying tip customer pops in there in the car <laughs> next. That'd be good. All right, Thank thanks, you. Donald. Have a great night. Oh, that was really nice. I'm, I'm glad that he held on and, and talked about the human interactions of riding in an Uber. Uh, real quick, let's go to Eddie, if you're still hanging on from Philly. I'd like to hear from him. How are you, Eddie? Good. I'm doing good, Ryan. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about a little bit of the uh, proceedings for the uh, Supreme Court uh, hearings. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping, number one, that the Democrats will not demonize uh, Judge Barrett's religion being a practicing Catholic, and also I'm, I'm a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. And and I just I agree with your your previous caller saying that there that there's a lot of politics being played with this, and I think what they're trying to do, especially with the health care, they're trying to scare so many Americans about if, if Barrett does become the Supreme Court justice, which I believe she will, because the Democrats don't have enough votes to stop it. Mm-hmm. But as a Catholic, as someone in Christian faith, I believe that she would never put that jeopardize millions of Americans of of the health care that they would need in this country. That, that's what I would believe. Mm. So you see, okay, when you're talking about the Affordable Care Act and pre-existing conditions, yeah, that's what yeah, you're referring to. Say, well, okay. she becomes the, the justice that she'll do away with it. I, I don't believe that. I think it's more of just a scare a scare tactic, and I'm just yeah. tired of it. Of all the all the fear and smear, it's enough is enough. You know, it's interesting because Ted Cruz brought up the exact same thing, and he didn't say it to Amy Coney Barrett. He said all 100 senators agree on pre-existing conditions; they should they should be included there. But what you're doing is you're bringing it up as if it's there's some sort of debate for it. Now, if you want to right. talk about the the merits of Obamacare and what it brought then you're going to find that there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, even President Obama would say that were unintended consequences of it. Not a lot of people are happy with what happened after Obamacare got kicked in, and rightfully so. It was The, the premiums went through the roof. The coverage wasn't the same. There's a lot of uh, things that, even though were well-intended, were absolutely just terrible to the healthcare system. It doesn't mean we have a perfect healthcare system. It, it doesn't mean that we can't do things better with the healthcare system. But what I'm saying is every time they bring up pre-existing conditions— all senators, 100 out of 100, agree that there needs to be protections for uh, pre-existing conditions. It's, it's oh, a absolutely. point. Absolutely, yeah. And it, the, the whole system needs to be fixed. I just hopefully that both sides could come up with some kind of solution to, uh, to fix it, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I don't know if there is an answer to it. I mean, that the, the two extremes go on both ways. You can 100% private versus 100% government run. You got the Bernie Sanders of the world versus, um, I don't know, what the, the farthest right. I don't even think Donald Trump's the farthest right when it comes to health care. But, uh, Eddie, thank you very much. 
Mitch McConnell, yeah, maybe. Uh, there might be even more further, but yeah, thank you very much for the call. Good to hear from you. Uh, 314-436-7900. I was going to play that clip from Senator Josh Hawley, our senator here in Missouri, where he gave us a very specific example of how uh, her faith continues to be brought up, even though the, you know people are, oh, no one's talking about her faith. Well, actually, he brought up a pretty good one. So I'm going to play that for you coming up because I feel like uh, I should have. But I wanted to hear from our caller, Donald, so much about what he talks about in his Uber rides. Uh, we got swept away. So that'll be coming up next. We'll take some more of your calls on Overnight America KMOX. Radio's BS detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio. KMOX. Welcome back. Overnight America is here with you every weeknight. And we're together for another 40 minutes or so. So I wanted to read this one text messages before we move on and play some clips, take more calls. One person said, come on, Ryan, you can't possibly think you see clearly uh, when you're so right-leaning. <laughs> this is, again, I think the essence of the, uh, the, the Democratic argument against Amy Coney Barrett. You cannot, you cannot possibly be an independent thinker. You cannot possibly take every individual instance and come to a conclusion on your own. Nope, not possible. You're not. You're just basically another one of the group thinks that fall in line with uh, Donald Trump. And now, see, that's part of the problem. I, I think you come to this assumption that the people that do think conservative, like myself, have the inability to actually come up with their own ideas. So I think that's one of the biggest flaws when someone hears a person that could argue or come up with great, um, you know, great ideas or whatever. And like Amy Coney Barrett, for example, that's what she's going to be pushed up against. It's part of this confirmation hearing one after another. It's that you you cannot be, you're not capable of thinking. Now, by the way, and I was thinking about this too, if this were the other way around, you know what would be happening if it were Republicans that were questioning this process? They would be saying, look at this, another war on women. You must hate women so much that you would give this hard of a time to a female Supreme Court justice nominee. So I guess uh, in this case, it's the Democrats who hate women so much. <laughs> uh, what did he say? Okay, there's more to that text message. Um, Justify the rights of be the rights behavior. Justify the rights behavior. I we, I think we talk a lot about the actual merits of what's going on and why we agree, why we disagree, whatever it is. And the nice thing is about this show, and you can talk to Minister Mike who calls in, and I know he listens, and he's probably listening right now. I think I'm the fairest of all talk hosts out there. I don't think you're going to find anyone more fair when it comes to keeping an open mind and listening. It doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, kind of. It doesn't mean I'm just going to adopt the way you think because you want me to. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, I think, if anything, you should step up your game when it comes to the way you think if you can't be challenged. So, uh, let's see. What they did to Obama was outrageous. It's not even close, but especially when it came to appointing judges. Uh, are you referring to the amount of judges, President Trump? And he's done a lot in his first term in office. A lot of judges were appointed. But that's another thing. You get the power to appoint. That's just kind of one of the powers that are given to you. And thank you, Harry Reid, for making it easier for Donald Trump to appoint more of these judges. He has two, now hopefully three, Supreme Court justices. I think when it comes to his legacy, he wants to be remembered as someone that built up the economy to the strong level it's at. I, th I think that's what he, the, the way he wants to be looked at. I think number two, the thing that I'll be most proud of is probably the way that he helped uh, balance the ship when it comes to 
uh, the activist judges and was able to try to put it back to a constitutional leaning. That's going to be a, a very powerful point of his legacy. Now, let's hope that that doesn't end here in November. But uh, let's take a couple of your calls. Um, man, I didn't get a chance to play Josh Holly. I'll play it eventually. I just want to hear from you first. Uh, let's go to Chris, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, how you doing? Um, I, I guess, you know, the thing that I would say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 54 years old. You know, I've, I've, I've seen the political debates go back and forth, the different um, philosophies, the extremism, you know, and all that kind of thing that is, is uh, screamed from, from the left. I don't have any problem with the discussion. I think the biggest problem in the country is the non-professional media. And uh, I think that, you know, if you, if you have ideas out there that people can debate and talk about, uh, pick apart, that's fine. But the problem is the media has their thumb on the scale. Oh, and, okay. So you mean the way the media has acted has been unprofessional, not necessarily like amateur media? Uh, correct. I mean, I, I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, you know, J school, uh, in, and there was there was an underlying expectation of professional behavior. So an example would be Walter, Walter Cronkite. He would be rolling over right now. The people, the people you see on television, even the anchors in general, they want to be personalities. That is their thing. Um, they, and, and they, they have a political agenda, but there was an expectation of, of fairness and, and professionalism. So I'll give you an example. A judge is an example. They are going to have their own political thoughts. But there's an expectation. I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, like a, a judge that's hearing a you know, court case, like a criminal case or something like that. There's an expectation that they are professional. Mm -hmm. And lawyers are supposed to be professional. Um, uh, I, the thing with the media is they view themselves as an important profession, and they're not professional. Mm. And they... I think the biggest problem with the country not right now is not what the left says or what the right says. It's that the media doesn't represent it correctly and say, hey, here's the information that's out there. And instead, they want to be personalities. They want to drive, you know, the yeah, discussion as much as what the news is. So, um, okay. yeah. and, uh, all right. It, yeah, one more point real, one quick thing, real quick. Yeah. yeah, just real quick. I promise I'll be quick. But one of the things I, I'm that I've, I've thought with Trump from the very beginning that he has done wrongly is that he has not branded uh, the media what it is. I mean, he calls it fake news, but as an example, the very first press conference when a, Jim Acosta is up there arguing with him, the best thing Trump could have done was say, Jim, you're upset because your candidate didn't win. <laughs> and then just be quiet and listen to him try to dig out of that hole. And he couldn't, but instead he wants to argue with him and it, it's, I, I just think it's it's a mistake. So thanks again. Okay. Love your show, and uh, have a good night. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you very much for the call. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I When Chris was talking there, it reminded me, because you talk about the different judges, and I feel the, the, the if you're trying to be like a general, and it's a war, and you're trying to put a strategy forward, and you're trying to get all your troops aligned, what you see the left doing right now is realizing that, well, Donald Trump has appointed so many of these judges in places where there were appointments, by the way, it's it, there was appointments for him to fill, 
And thank you, Harry Reid, for making it easy for him to put the ones that he wanted in there. Thanks, Harry Reid. <laughs> that can't be said enough. So you, if, if anything, you need to be angry at Harry Reid, not uh, Donald Trump in this case, because he's just fulfilling the openings and the appointments. But what I feel a lot of what's happening is once the George Soroses of the world's the ones that are really trying to do things underhandedly, if that's a word, underhanded, they decide, well, and you know, it, we the best thing we can do is to make sure the case doesn't even get in front of a judge. So what we'll do is we'll put in activist attorneys, uh, circuit attorneys, district attorneys, all of these things that will just try to filter out all the cases that we feel are against what we believe in. So as opposed to trying to serve justice to those that have been wronged, instead, we're going to we're going to put someone in there that can use their highly left leaning discretion and then they won't even put it in front of a judge. They'll just not take up the case or they'll dismiss it or just say, oh, not enough evidence. It doesn't matter if they do or not. In the the case of here in St. Louis, we have one of those in the circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis. And that's kind of the game plan. And that's something that's been pretty documented. The high number of donations that go into certain places to put in these activist um, people that are running in the, the circuit attorneys or whatever it's called where you're at. But we're not uh, alone when it comes to that. That has been the strategy. So, yeah, you can say, oh, Donald Trump got so many judges in or this or that. Well, what happens when you're in an area where you can't even get it in front of a judge? Um, that's where you start to see a lot of the problems that we're running into today. And, hey, right now, St. Louis is just doing so great when it comes to getting criminals off the streets, huh? Oh, boy. Uh, let's go to Jeff, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, Jeff, are you Hello? there? Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's all this talk about pre-existing conditions, and I don't want to sound heartless or anything like that. I don't want people denied because of them. But I just don't understand how the government can tell private insurance companies that they have to take people that they don't feel they can cover. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want just to the merit of it. Or, I don't want to sound yeah. heartless or anything like that. I'm just curious how pri- how the government can tell a private insurance company or a private company they, that they have to do this, this, or this. Yeah, and, I, you know, when it comes to pre-existing conditions, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. But what we found is that a lot of insurance, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but insurance companies would use that as an out for something that they should be covering to begin with. So it was almost like a, well, you know, if, if we don't feel like we want to cover this anymore, we can just say pre-existing condition. It's like the magic word that they had to whisper, and then all of a sudden the person's left in the wind. And that was pretty lousy. There's, I mean, anyone that's ever had to deal with an insurance company when it came to a dispute realizes that they are using some pretty lousy tactics against you. So basically this kept them honest. So a lot of times if you were on the coverage or whatever it was, but then you found the opposite happening too. You found people abusing that. They said, well, if I don't have to be on uh, insurance and the pre-existing coverage is there, then you know what's going to happen? Uh, you know, I'll just I'll just pop on when I need it and I'll use it and then I'll pop off when I don't. So there was abuses on both sides. I think there were a couple of people. Ted Cruz came up with a great idea, which was as long as you're on the coverage ahead of time for so long, then you could be covered after that. So then it, everything was included. So it made it so you can't just pop on and pop off whenever you want to do those sort of things. Like if you, pop but, up, like if you sign up for, for something, you have to sign up for, for a year. 
Yeah. Something like or that. it was like something like six months or three months or whatever it was. It was something that, hey, as long as you knew that you were insuring yourself, it wasn't just something you were doing to abuse the system. Because essentially the de facto these... way, uh, well, it was like the de facto thing was essentially it was just like socialized medicine at that point. So you don't really need insurance and you can just hop on at the time you need it. So that's not really insurance then. So that was the thing. You had to find a way to prevent the fraud. But otherwise, I think a lot of people that were very much in favor of that is that they want wanted the socialized medicine to begin with. That's what they wanted. So, you know, why discourage that sort of thing? Because it leads us down the path of what they want. And one last thing with these confirmation judges, there's mm -hmm. nothing in the Constitution that says a party has to nominate a judge from the other party. There's nothing in there about that. No, it's exactly true. And it doesn't speak to the qualifications of the candidate, which they're not even speaking to now. But thank you very much for the call, Jeff. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America, KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. News Radio 1120 KMOX. The voice of the Cardinals. Overnight America is, you know, we're here up until midnight, and then we have some great interviews past midnight from the first two hours of the show. So Richard Bino and Bill Schneider are going to join us. We'll talk to both of those authors. Bill Schneider was CNN's senior political analyst from 90 to, what, 2009, almost 20 years. He's got a book called Standoff. He wanted to talk about the election here. Uh, John Pessa is the author of Yogi, Yogi Berra, biography on him. And also, we're going to talk to David Marwell, author of Mengala, one of the most notorious war criminals of all time. So both of them, John Pessa and David Marwell, are going to be making an appearance as part of the virtual St. Louis Jewish Book Festival, and they'll talk about their books and some of the talk that they'll have for them. So I finally am going to play the clip from Josh Hawley. This is a minute and 18 seconds. And if you've been waiting this long to hear the example... <laughs> that Josh Ali brought up. Here it is. This pattern and practice, as we say in the law, this pattern and practice of religious bigotry, because that's what it is. When you tell somebody that they're too Catholic to be on the bench, when you tell them they're going to be a Catholic judge, not an American judge, that's bigotry. The practice of bigotry. And I would expect that it be renounced. Now, I just heard my colleague, Senator Coons, make a reference to an old case the Griswold case, which I can only assume is another hit at Judge Barrett's religious faith, referring to Catholic doctrinal beliefs. I don't know what else it could be, since no one has challenged this case. It is not a live issue and hasn't been for decades. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about, and this is the sort of attacks that must stop. I look forward, Judge Barrett, 
to getting to the chance to speak with you further about your legal credentials, about your legal views, about your approach to the law and your judicial philosophy. But I hope that one thing that this confirmation process will stand for in the end, I hope when we look back at the confirmation hearings for Judge Amy Barrett, soon I hope to be Justice Amy Barrett, one thing we will say is that was the time, that was the year that the attempt to bring back religious tests for office was finally stopped. That was Senator Josh Hawley. Ooh, boy. So I thought that was a good example. I thought it was worth bringing up because we know that when it comes to the Supreme Court, there's two things that they're going to be focusing on, Roe v. Wade and the Affordable Care Act. For the most part, they are now focusing on the Affordable Care Act and some of the tenets of that, which were highly uh, questionable to begin with, and even some of which have been stripped away. So if you're going to be trying to uh, make your case against Amy Coney Barrett at this point, and when you get a chance to talk to her directly as opposed to opening statements, then who knows what's going to be brought up and how she's going to have to react to it. Let's go to Kay, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, hi. Um, I just uh, wanted to make a comment. I thought your earlier show, when you were talking to the two political experts, uh, particularly the fellow from CNN, was really good. However, there was a contradiction on on um, Cam Wex today on Mark Reardon's show. He had a lady on that was very skeptical of the polls. Now, your gentleman with CNN, you know, laid out rationally, I thought, you know, why Joe Biden, and I hope he does, wins. But the lady on um, Reardon's show earlier acted like, oh, no, you can't really believe the polls. And he touted her as some expert that had previously predicted the upset in 2016. I thought I'd I would have loved to heard you ask a question along the lines of this lady skepticism about polls mm-hmm. in this election. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I don't know who the guest was on Mark Reardon's program, but there's a lot of people that are bringing up that very same point, which is the way that the methodology of the polling has a lot to do with the way that it tries to put people into a group think, as in, oh boy, yeah, they got this or they don't, or whatever. So. Um, I didn't hear that. You know, I have other guests scheduled that will account to that. And I'm trying to remember. Let me look it up because on the schedule this week, I have um, on Thursday someone that's going to talk to that. I just don't remember who the guest name is. I'm sorry. But we we do have some other people to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. I thought the gentleman, former CNN guy, was very thorough. He covered the various groups and he listed why... Biden should have a big advantage. Do you not buy into what he's saying? Well, no. I'll, the one thing he said, and I didn't really have time or the ability to because it was when Richard Bino was asking questions. He was touting, look at uh, how South Carolina and uh, the black voters came out for Joe Biden in South Carolina, and that's going to be proof that there's a overwhelming support or whatever. Now, keep in mind, that was the primary. <laughs> so the primary doesn't say anything about going head to head with anyone in particular. So I, I'm thinking about these things. I'm thinking, how could you use indicators from the primary to try to say that he's going to win the presidential election. It just doesn't doesn't transfer all that well. But polling well, black, in general, black, yeah. Black voters are, I don't think black voters in South Carolina are going to flock to Donald Trump all the terrible things he said. He called he called uh, Camilla Harris a monster. I mean, mm. you you think the black voters are going to head towards 
voting for Trump. Well, let me just uh, let me just try one of these things for you real quick. So you just said Camilla, and you understand that people on the left say when you mispronounce her name, you're a racist. So what if uh, for four years someone came to you and said, oh, boy, see, that's another proof that you're just racist. Why would anyone ever listen to you a racist? Because you purposely said her name wrong. You know, you, you kind of see how when people point fingers like that for so long, they get turned off and tired of it, and then they reject that way of thinking. And then they look at the person that doesn't act that way. In this case, it's Donald Trump. And then it might give them a better indication of doing that. You know, I, I think when you look at the way that some of the polling has gone, the African-American community, the Latino community, you're seeing polling continue to rise in those communities to levels where the Republican Party are never seeing those levels in the past. Um, who knows what happens on Election Day? Anything could happen on Election Day. Polling could be wrong. Polling could be way off. Polling could be right. I don't know. I, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But, but then your guy, again, with CNN, he covered each group. And groups that are not, I wouldn't think, want to vote for Donald Trump and all the... Unbelievable, and, and he denies science. He calls things a hoax. He, you know, even Fauci is about done with Trump. I mean, or maybe it's the other way around. But uh, Science Magazine picks endorses. Well, I, I you know, think you're basically you're proving Donald Trump when he says fake news because when you just said he called the virus a hoax. Now keep in mind, finally, it took months. But all the news organizations, including the Associated Press and all of the social media, even Twitter put this on the top, mentioned that he that was taken out of context. He didn't call the virus a hoax. They finally dispelled that. But all of the different people were they'll let you believe that they allowed that type of idea to go out there for months because they wanted you to have that impression, even though it wasn't true. Just one of those other things taken out of context. So, I mean, do, do, the thing is, you're, you're proving my Cornell point. University has done a study of Trump. You're, you're proving the point, life. though. You're, I, okay, we got to go. I'm sorry, but thank you very much for calling in. But the thing is, what you're doing is you're spouting the things that have been disproven so many different times. And that's the thing. It's it's already gotten to you. It's already gotten to the point where it doesn't matter if it's false. It's, you know, it's good enough for you. And that's part of the problem. And again, it took so long. How many months? March, April, May, June, July, August, September. It, it took several months before that statement was finally put out that it was not only misleading but taken out of context and it wasn't what he said it wasn't not even close to the intent of what he said um that the virus was a hoax but people are still saying it over and over and over and over again but they allowed that they allowed that lie to be said so many different times they just allowed it to go on and it wasn't until just two weeks ago they finally said oh well actually that's not what he said that's how bad things have gotten People, they, this, this is this is a, a big part of the problem that we have right now. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And here we are on Overnight America. I am happy that tomorrow we're going to spend much less time talking politics. We spent just, I, I think we covered so many different topics today. I mean, we, we covered the current election. We covered previous elections with Rich Rubino and Bill Schneider, who we're going to replay their interviews after the uh, news here as part of the replay hour. We talked about Nazis. We talked about Yogi Berra. We talked about Supreme Court. 
I I feel like we had a pretty good variety, but these last couple hours, I didn't realize we'd be spending this much time talking about the Supreme Court. But in general, I more or less like hearing from you. It's it's more fun for me as a talk show host to hear what other people think. And then I love it when you challenge me. And I also like it to hear your reaction when I challenge you. And normally it's a unsatisfactory reaction. <laughs> this is just me giving you a hard time. I'm kidding. But it's fun. I know I, I do like it. So I know that this is part of what makes late nights unique. It, it gives us a little bit more flexibility to do these sort of things. You know, tomorrow I'm going to give another uh, plug to this is that we're going to spend even less time talking politics. The Ann Keefe radio documentary I worked on has been completed. I wanted to play it for you earlier, but I didn't have the opportunity to play it for you earlier, mostly because of the baseball schedule, the uncertainty when we'd be coming on at night. So I set it for this week and tomorrow's the big day. I get to debut the Ann Keefe radio documentary. I'll tell you a little bit more about it here right after Kevin Klein's whole nother story. I'm a big fan of these. Once I lent a copy of my movie Fahrenheit 451 to a close friend because I thought he would like it. If you don't know, it's a movie about this future society. It's a Ray Bradbury story about a world in which firefighters search out and burn books. Is it true that a long time ago, Farmen used to put out fires and not burn books. Six months later, my friend still hadn't watched it. And when I asked about it, he admitted that it was lost in his kitchen pantry somewhere back with the cake mixes. Well, maybe that was just a boring movie, but the same thing has happened to me when I lend people exciting films. Leave him alone! Oh. He's going to get us all killed. I'm going to get rid of him. We're not getting rid of anybody. We're going to stick together just like it used to be. When you side with a man, you stay with him. And if you can't do that, you're like some animal. You're finished. We're finished. Before the pandemic hit, I lent a friend who likes westerns, my favorite western, The Wild Bunch with William Holden and Ernest Borgnine. It's, there's not a book burning in the whole movie. But I still don't think he has watched it. Whenever I ask him about it, he puts his head down and looks at the carpet and says, I'll get to it eventually. Several years ago, a friend in the KMOX newsroom lent me one of those critter cages because he knew I had squirrels in my attic. I was supposed to return it after a few squirrels, but then I broke it. The bottom metal screen that the trap was mounted on came loose, and I was always meaning to fix it before I'd give it back to him, and I never got around to it. Finally, he had to drive all the way to my house and pick it up. I felt awful. More recently, I borrowed a ladder from a friend to paint the house. Originally, I, I told him I just need it for a weekend, but now it's been three weeks. He's going to have to come by the house soon and pick it up because now he needs the ladder. I find that when it comes to borrowing and lending, the same things that annoy me about people I lend things to, I do when I borrow things. Maybe Shakespeare was right. In one of his plays, he said, Never a borrower or a lender be, because borrowing dulls the edge of friendship. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Colleen. I'm very bad when it comes to lending, not so much uh, returning. As far as I know, I return things, but I am bad at lending things out and forgetting that I lent things out, including my book of Yogi Berra to producer Mike, who 
I so gracefully allowed him to look over, and then he spilled water on it, and I still haven't seen it since. And he was afraid I was. You are fake news. <laughs> he was afraid I was going to bring that up to John Pessa today. You are fake <laughs> news. <laughs> See, it's easy when you have a button to press. <laughs> So the Ann Keefe Radio Special is tomorrow. We're going to air the first two hours from 9 until 11. Then on Wednesday, we'll do two hours from 9 until 11. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So it gives us an hour of show beforehand. And then sit back, relax, enjoy some KMOX history. Enjoy the rest of the night. The uh, radio hour is uh, complete. And we got a couple of replays on the way. And sleep well. We'll see you soon. Bye. My heart beats with the lonely rain. Your face again. Change the dial on the radio. Find something playing kind of bluesy and slow. If things were only like they used to be, we'd be lying in love tonight. I wish you'd call me on the telephone. I don't. Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.